Hello, internet. Welcome to another episode of the Get Geek Podcast Social Distancing Edition. We are coming to you live from our respective fallout shelters. Um, I am at uh, my girlfriend's house. Uh, Walt is holed up with Eli and AJ, and Wolfie is uh, holed up on his own. But um, yeah, welcome to our social assist distancing edition podcast. We hope you guys are being responsible out there. Introductions, of course, are in order. As you guys know, I'm Jose. This is Wolfie. This is AJ here. Uh, and this is Walt, and I hope everybody's out there safe and sound. Indeed, I hope so as well. And it's great to join you guys. Uh, we're doing this remotely, as we mentioned before, but we're still going to bring you some awesome content uh, that you guys will enjoy this week. Uh, let's start it off first. Um, Wolfie, why don't you tell us a little bit about our first mini discussion? Well, actually, so uh, the podcast today is going to be on two things. Uh, we are uh, primarily going to be discussing uh, Red Sun, the comic, not the movie. Um, we recently uh, reviewed the movie and talked about it, and this time we're doing our comic book read-along. But before we get there, we're going to be talking a little bit about a uh, fan submission uh, comic book uh, called Axeman. And um axman it's it's funny how we kind of came into possession of axman uh one of our fans out there um asked us to do uh give our honest impressions on the book in hopes of uh helping him get started with his uh new uh storyline and everything and andre is going to give us the uh impressions himself so uh andre why don't you go ahead and uh Give us the impressions on the uh, first two issues of Axeman and what you thought about everything, artwork and uh, storyline so far and all that. All right. So, well, first I'd like to start by shouting out uh, the the guy who sent us this, his Twitter. That would be uh, at Mr. Ryan Comics. Uh, so it's written by Ryan Little, the guy mentioned in the Twitter. Uh, the art's by Brianne Anden, colors by Yuri Pinzon, the letters by Nikki Powers, edited by Cody Coulomb, I'm guessing, and cover the cover colors by Walter Pereira? Pereira. Pereira. Pereira, Pereira probably. Yeah. Sorry for butchering your names, guys. Yeah, we apologize. <laughs> And the, finally, the logos by Chris Sheehan. The actual story itself. So it features this group called Axemen. And their basic premise is that in a world where human populations basically spun out of control due to uh, advances in technology and medicine, something else spun out of control. And that would be diseases viruses, epidemics, pandemics, you name it. The purpose of the Axemen is to basically target patient zeros before their respective illnesses break out into the larger population. So it's interesting that mm -hmm. um, the topic is, is very um, current to what's going on nowadays. Right. You know. Thankfully, yeah, we, where, where were they? Where were the Axemen of November, man? 
No, I'm kidding. I was just about to say that, you know. Um, to me, it's a, it's a pretty interesting premise. And like I said, it, it's very current, unfortunately. Um, one yeah. of the things that I liked about the comic is I, I was, I'm kind of a fan of the art style. Um, the yeah. art style is, is pretty, it's pretty gritty. Um, it, it does set a tone for the comic book pretty well. Yeah. Um, I haven't read the entire run, the two issues that we were sent, um, yet, but I have read a little bit of the first issue and so far, like the art style gives me like, uh, and I hope this is not an insult to the artist in any way, but it is like a sort of a really interesting, like adult swim, like mixed with um, a slightly grittier. There was, you know, there was an art style in one of the Animatrix clips that this reminds mm-hmm. you of. I don't know if you think Ooh. it's the one. Um, That's a good one that reminds me exactly of exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, so it kind of reminded me of one of the Animatrix uh, short films from that little anthology that came out a few years ago around the time of the second Matrix film, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the art is really cool. Uh, the premise is interesting thus far. Um, I like the layouts on the page. Like, There's something to be said about um, pages that tell a lot with very few panels, so it's not too much of a mess on the panel. So I think the the art style is really cool, cool, and it flows really well. And so far, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, um, I I rather enjoy the art style too. Um, I guess one thing that I feel would have I don't I don't know if maybe it's just because they gave us like a test copy to review, but like I felt that a little more. Uh, elaboration could have gone into you know the beginning like you kind of just dropped in there without any like there was some context but i felt like uh, there could be a little more yeah you know there 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 could have been uh, a little bit more uh exposition um kind of narration in the first early panels or early pages to kind of give you a little bit of a it's one thing to like drop uh drop the character right into the action of a story right away but typically that, that that's accompanied by some more exposition which again it's it's not like a deal breaker or anything like that as long as the story is good and the action is good and the art is well done um but yeah a little bit extra exp- exposition would have gone a long way i think uh especially in that very first issue i i actually think it was it was interesting um Again, not to go back to the Matrix, maybe this was an influence uh, on Axeman. Probably not. I don't see necessarily an influence from the Matrix. Um, but it reminds me kind of, in a way, how the first Matrix movie, Matrix movie starts. You get a very small monologue, and then you're dropped right into the cops just busting down the door on Trinity. And some crazy stuff happens. And then like from there, it starts to unfold. So I don't really see it as a as even a little bit of a negative. I see it as a positive, but that's that's okay. just me. I mean, I don't think it's a negative either. Like I said, it's a kind of just a, 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 like I said, it's not a deal breaker. It's just one of those things where like, it wouldn't hurt, but at the same time, not absolutely necessary either. I'd love to see where it goes. Well, um, actually, I kind of liked how they did the beginning because normally, well, this is what I'm expecting from the author. Um, when you jump right in, usually there's a bit, I think somebody said this, I think it was probably uh, Wolfie, but there is exposition after as, as the, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so basically the first two issues should, like, have, like, suspense. It's kind of like The Mandalorian. And also, I really, really mm-hmm. like the art style. Um, It yeah. really got me nostalgic, um, especially oh. to this old show called Samurai Jack. And I was going to mention Samurai Jack. <laughs> and isn't it funny, the, the main character, the Axeman, doesn't he have like a samurai-type looking face yeah, to his thing? A little bit, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, just a little bit. So, you know, it's interesting that Eli, you know, points out the uh, comparison to Samurai Jack. You mean like a samurai mask kind of thing, I guess? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I see that too. I see that too. And again, that's probably where the Adult Swim kind of thing came out for me in a sense. Yeah, actually, yeah. When you had said Adult Swim, the first thing that I thought was Samurai Jack, and I was going to mention it, mm-hmm. um, especially when we were talking about kind of like the the simplistic color panels and choices and stuff, um, which Samurai Jack kind of does, right? Like it's just like a couple objects in the scene, not a lot of uh, stuff going on in the scene. So that like your attention is brought directly to the uh, characters and their interaction itself. Yeah, I love the focus that it gives you yeah. on, on what's going on. I agree. Mm-hmm. So this is a comic that's on Kickstarter. Um, the first two issues are on Kickstarter, I believe. Right, right, yes. AJ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second one was released March 11th. Okay. So nice. you know, I, I guess what we're saying is that this is an interesting comic to go check out. If you're if you're into that stuff, um, it's definitely who you are because <laughs> you're listening you know? to us as well. Uh, you're geeks, um, exactly. You know, it, go ahead, Walt. <laughs> yeah, it's a different type of comic book, and it has its its merits. Um, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna go back really quickly to what AJ said. I'm also of the kind of the ilk that I like the fact that they drop you right in. Yeah. And I'm hoping that as the story progresses, you get a little bit more of, you know, the world fleshed out and, and some more world building going forward. I think they started to do that in the second issue. Yeah. Because a bit, it looks like there's a lot, a lot less action and a little bit more story driven. So I think that's where this thing is going to go. So, you know, we have to wait until the third issue to see what happens. Yeah. Um, for the author keep going i can definitely see this yeah. blowing up as or as like a yeah it's it's a great start i can really could really see yeah it could totally reach a lot of people and, and become a, a great mainstream success i can see that because it's it's really interesting and yeah. thank you for sending it to us thank you for thinking of us and thank you for uh for asking for our opinion on this we really appreciate that yep we'll put have- the link to the kickstarter on our episode notes and we yes. also put on our Instagram just for anybody who wants to check it out. Guys, and also just um, if you guys know of any artists that want to have like their art kind of uh, reviewed or our impressions on their art or just kind of give a shout out on our uh, IG and elsewhere, please send in all, uh, submit anything that you guys want us to check out and we'll give you guys, you know, your credit and our impressions and everything. Uh, We'll give you our absolute honest impressions on all that. So beware, but at the same time, any and all uh, submissions are welcome. So this was a really cool little fun thing that we got to do. And and I think we're all like uh, excited to do more of this. So please. Give us more. 
Yeah, and just just so you guys know, the email address is getgeeknews at get at gmail.com. So if you want to send anything, that's where you can reach us and we'll we'll take a look at it. All right, so um now on to our main uh subject, which is gonna be Superman Red Sun, um by Mark Millar, Dave Johnson, and Killian Plunkett. Um it's a I'm not the I'm not the uh the DC guy at the table. Um I think uh that would be Andre and maybe everyone else over here. I'm probably like the lowest person on totem full of uh of DC comics. Um, but I have to say that I did enjoy, uh, reading this, especially after watching the movie. Um, so again, if you guys have not read the comic and intend on reading the comic, please pause, read the comic and come back. Um, uh, or if, you know, you want to see the movie and you're listening to this podcast and you don't want the movie to get spoiled, pause again, watch it, come back, all that good stuff, because we're about to get into spoilers. So uh, once again, uh, spoilers and spoilers and spoilers, be ready and beware. And and just for some context for anybody out there who hasn't listened to either one of these and might want to come back to our episodes and maybe want to listen to these in the order that they were released in the real world, the Superman Red Sun comic book was released in 2003. And, of course, the movie, which we just recently reviewed on our last episode, was just released uh, in 2020. All right. So, um, the I kind of want to, because we just did the, uh, the, the movie review, um, right off of the bat, um, before we get into fleshing out the story of the comic book and discussing everything in the comic itself, want to kind of get through the comparisons between the movie and the comic right away. Uh, the one of there's, there's a few very, very key uh, things that are different from the movie and the uh, book. Um, some that are pretty surprising. Um, and uh, just kind of wanted to, you know, annotate that a little bit. And one of the biggest things for me was that the comic book comes to like, it, it's, it's being narrated by Superman himself. And the movie was not so much a narration of Superman as a, as, as opposed to kind of like, you know, just viewing a life of Superman kind of thing. So how did you guys feel about that specifically? Because for me, one of the key differences between the comic and the movie is that the movie made Superman seem very childish, whereas the comic did not. The comic, because it was being narrated by Superman with his kind of inner dialogue uh, being exposed, you see a Superman that isn't like, for lack of a better word, uneducated or naive. He doesn't seem naive too too naive in the comic book, at least. He seems more of a still trying to figure out like his place in the world, but not naive to everyone's intentions. Whereas in the movie, he was naive to Stalin. He was naive to brainiac he was naive to everything around him yes yeah so for me i have just kind of the same viewpoint but i agree that because of the fact that you had the narration you could see some of the inner machinations inside of superman's head and it made it more like his like a few incarnations of his origin story both in the comics and in the movies right where he narrates to get let you know like about how he feels about 
you know, being different from everyone in society. But of course, this time it's from the perspective of being a Russian instead of an American. Right. And also, yeah, he, you know, Superman is still highly intelligent. He's a genius by an average human standards. So even if he's not as intelligent as some of the other characters, like Lex, Lex Luthor and Brainiac, he's still much more intelligent than the average human being. See, um, but in, I felt like the movie didn't do a good job of showing us that. Yes, that's what I'm, that's what I agree with. It definitely yeah, the movie yeah, didn't yeah, show that. Yeah. The movie showed him as childlike and naive, yes. like you said, hundred yeah. percent. The comic oh. book definitely gave you some reasons behind his actions, and also some of the conversations he had with some of the characters in the comic, as opposed to in the movie, give you that sense as well. As well, it's not just his inner monologue that gives you that idea that he's yeah. not just naive and childish in the comic. Uh, Andre, oh yeah. Go on. Sorry. That's all right. Well, you know, there's another... Uh, I wish I could get into this layer, but I'll get into it at the end. But mm-hmm. I guess maybe part of the reason why he's portrayed as much more of a an intellectual... Well, not that he wasn't an intellectual in the movie, but like he was obviously, like you said, smarter by... Very, smart by human standards, definitely. Maybe not on the level of Lex Luthor and Brainiac, but yeah. I think that in a that kind of has uh it's kind of looped into the end that I can't really talk about the end yet. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're gonna leave right. That I understand that we're gonna get to the end at the actual end. It's one thing that we don't want to spoil too early on uh, because the ending is uh for the yeah. most part very. It, it's more. It's less of an ending. The endings aren't necessarily different. It's just that there's an essentially an epilogue in the comic book. That gives us a little bit more background to the entire story. So we'll yeah. get there. Mm-hmm. Something um, else, uh, oh, yeah. Something else, because uh, you, you asked about how the narration kind of changed the story. One of the ways in which I found it to, like, in terms of the storytelling is, like, in the comic, you know, eventually he becomes the premier of the Soviet state. So... In the the narration itself, it kind of gave me like that that authoritative kind of vibe, like it it was that extra layering of this is the story. Yes, yes, and a quick point on that: something that I liked about that in the comic is that you you saw his mind slowly change from somebody who had no interest at all in being a leader in in imposing his will on anyone towards near the end where he he convinces himself that he needs to do that for the betterment of not only himself, but of the entire world. Right. So that's actually, and I want to get to that point. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that point in a little bit, but um, when we get into the actual story, but that is a, just to kind of uh, touch on that a little bit. It's very, very interesting where like in the movie, the motivations for him being a leader are very different from like, maybe not very different, but, like in the movie, his motivations for taking over power come from like a vain personal kind of thing, um, which I think it's exemplified in how he came into power in the movie versus in the book. Uh, it's more of a self-realization that he's been put on this earth to to or in this world to uh, do what no one else can. You know, so like I felt like the motivations were a little bit different, um, one being a little bit more selfish than the other. 
Um, the other thing that was very uh, different from the comic and the movie is a very specific character that you touched on uh, when we did the uh, movie, Hosea, is Piotr. Yes. The illegitimate child of Stalin, which um, when I saw the, I didn't read the comic when I saw the movie, so I had no idea about this character. But when you mentioned it to him, to me, I was like, wow, OK. But I didn't realize how crucial and how big of a part of the story he actually is. Um, and he's yes. a huge, huge part of the story, which kind of makes me like wonder why on earth. I mean, obviously, they, they took him out of the movie to do essentially a retelling of this retelling. Um, but uh, that was that was kind of a little bit of a shock to me after reading everything that, like, how involved Piotr was, uh, such as, you know, um, uh, certain aspects of the story as well as uh, the... Um, the origin story of Batman in the comic versus the origin story of Batman in the movie mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, those very, very personal or rather huge implications that involve Piotr. So, yes, I, you uh, know, I agree because I thought he was a really, really interesting, as, as you already described, he's a pivotal, a very interesting character in the comic. Right. Um, and he changes the dynamic of it. A great deal, including again, he changes Superman's motivations because of his own motivations, and like it to me, it's it's kind of a shame that he was removed in the movie because I get that sometimes with the animated versions of these things, they want to tell a slightly different story just to have something new to look forward to, but I think you put in like another ten minutes on the movie, not even maybe like six seven minutes with Piotr um, as a character still featured in it. And you yeah. can change it in a way that would make it, I think, more interesting in the way that the comic is. Well, I think, I yeah. think one of the reasons that they did that is because they wanted to feature Lana a little bit more and give him more of a backstory. Because if you look at the way the comic is 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 formatted, they, you don't know too much about um, Superman. They don't even mention him as being Kal-El. Well, they do. Well, we'll get into that. But yes. um, he doesn't get very much of a backstory. You know, you're basically just dropped in there where it says, okay, he was, he didn't go to Kansas. He went to Russia. And then now all of a sudden, you know, the United States knows of a Superman, right? Whereas right. In, in the film, they gave him a little bit more, you know, of a, a backstory, which actually does pay off in the film in a big way, you know? Right. So they they may have taken that character and they said, you know what, we're we're telling a different story. I think in the film itself, you have a more of an emotional type of Superman than you do in the comic. And I think to do that, they had to give Lana him this backstory with Lana to pay it off a little bit later. Maybe, but see, I, I kind of disagree a little bit there, simply because like there is emotion attached to superman in the comic book in um another thing that they changed between the movie and the comic book which is his relationship with wonder woman uh with diana which um it's it's kind of a little bit of a a big deal if you guys haven't seen the movie once again spoilers but in the movie uh wonder woman is a lesbian and that's kind of where the romance completely ends you know like superman is trying his hand at like uh a romantic relationship with diana and she shuts him down and lets him know like hey i'm lesbo uh but in the comic it's not like that and the comic makes 
that whole relationship a lot stronger where you see Superman trying to, you know, convince Diana from a romantic standpoint to be on his side. And even at some points, um, maybe not even realizing that Diana is doing things for him from a romantic point of view. And he only realizes it later on when he says things. Uh, there's, there's a panel uh, where he realizes maybe I was so foolish, how blind could I have been? You know, that's kind of like his own like uh, moment of, I guess, vulnerability, realizing how bad, like how he messed up not seeing a true love right in front of him and stuff like that, you know? Um, yes. So yeah. that, that that's kind of like, I, I don't want to go too much more on a lot of the changes because I don't want to make this a full comparison of the film and the uh, book. But those are kind of like the major things with the exception of the ending, like we mentioned that we'll get to. Those are some of the major things that were different from the comic and the movie. Would you guys all agree? Anything else that you guys want to bring up as far as stark differences from the film and the uh, book? Yes. I think the villains that were yeah. that were in there, right? Yeah. And I think AJ wants oh. to really that. Yes. Okay. I have a list. So <laughs> there was – we already mentioned a few of these, but one thing that kind of wrote to me was – Where's the Fortress of Solitude, bro? Yep. Where, they didn't where, where? have one. In the yeah. comics, there was. Yeah, in the comic, Brainiac, Brainiac started building that, and they called it a different thing. It was a winter something or other, right? His winter residence, but one of the one of the characters also called it the Fortress of Solitude in passing. Right. I mean, I think that, like... It's there, but it's not like it, it didn't feature a prominent role, so I don't I don't think that that's too big of a missive. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're a Superman fan, you want to see the Fortress of Solitude. Well, I think the thing that's important though, and maybe this is what Eli is going to get at, and what AJ was also getting at, is if um, it's not a it's not a huge deal, but like it is a it is a treasure trove of Easter eggs in the comic, which oh, I right. think is yes. what makes it yes. so awesome. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like for goodness. Right, so, like, yeah, there, there was a statue of Darkseid in there, and it's like, okay, what what does this mean? Is that Darkseid stuff? Is that something taken from Apocalypse? What, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, like, what did he do? It's called the Winter's Palace in Siberia. So, okay, okay. <laughs> the other thing kind of makes sense. The other thing I found that I think would have been so awesome. I don't know why they didn't do it. In the comics, because he knows Superman is... Uh, Lex Luthor knows Superman is uh, is patrolling the globe 24-7. He has his net of information out. So one of the things that he does to counteract that is when he's working on the uh, Green Lantern ring and the Green Lantern Corps, he's not even doing it on Earth. This dude is doing it in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, that is a good yeah. point, which is really cool. I mean, yeah, L- Luther is also again probably a. I, I say he's a f- pretty big difference for me because in the movie he's portrayed not entirely as a hero, but as somebody who is in in the comic. Let's put it this way: in the comic, he's a bit more of like a complete jerk, not only to everyone around him, but to but to Lois. Mm-hmm. never sees her in the comic 
And like Absolutely. he's much more obsessed with Superman in the comic, even though he's also obsessed with him in the movie. Um, and a big difference in how he's portrayed is that you know you see more of his genius, I think, in the in the comic also. And he's less again he because he's so crass and he's so terrible to everyone around him in the comic. He's portrayed as a little bit more of an anti-hero in comparison to the movie. Um, in my opinion, right. Uh, one thing. One thing is uh, there is a scene where you see Lex Luthor in the comic. Uh, I guess out of frustration and anger that he lost a chess game, uh, kill I guess some of the scientists like with a gun, which you don't see him do yeah. anything like that in the movie. the The worst thing that happens in the movie is that he lets the uh, the the, the fake Superman or Superman 2, the U.S. version of Superman, uh, kind of die a terrible death, but he doesn't look at it as a human being. But that's right. the worst thing that happens in the film. Um, in the in the book, like you kind of see a little bit more of that classic Lex Luthor villain. Um, so that's one oh, thing. And Wolfie, you know, did you see what we meant when? Um, remember when you saw, when we saw the movie together? We said that the the U.S. Superman. Um, was basically Bizarro in the comic. You see what we mean a little bit more from the panels in the comic, I would say. Right. Yeah, you're point. right, actually. You're very right. You're very yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the movie, it's not as clear, I think. But, yeah. Oh, no, because the thing is that we see, like, we, we don't see so much of Bizarro as we see a uh, some sort of clone that ends up devolving based on the powers. Like, obviously, you, it's kind of like a Bizarro look. But in the comic, he's more of a Bizarro from the very get. Not so much a perfect clone that ends up uh, devolving, and his demise is very different in the comic, also. Very different, very very different, actually. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. So, actually, with that, do you guys want to get right into the story then? Uh, there's one more thing I want to mention, oh. and then I'm going to pass it off to Eli. So, sure. please go ahead. Uh, in the vein of Lex Luthor, uh, again, the movie. The movie did him. He he he's differently portrayed in the movie, but God, I just does. There's in when Superman goes to invade, uh, you know, the White House, um, because he's being pushed by Brainiac. The the unfolding of events there that was also again, and I get you want to tell the story differently, but man, the comic is really, really un like. Lex Luthor is a toss like a badass. So in the in the movie they present Stalingrad to him, right? To kind of get him to snap out of it. Mm-hmm. In the comic, he just writes the dude a letter. And he basically just shuts him down with like 11 or so words. God. That's just yeah. I mean, yeah, like the the, the there's a little bit of a stark contrast in in how exactly their interactions go uh in in the comic book there's a lot more interactions between lex luther and uh, the 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 red sun so to speak um i felt and it was more of a almost like a uh a more personal rivalry between the two of them versus a diplomatic rivalry i felt mm-hmm. Um, actually, um, there's something that I wanted to point out, um, in one of the scenes, I think it was after, um, they fight, uh, the Lantern Corps, well, uh, Hal Jordan and all, and Wonder Woman, 
They sent in a group of villains, but one thing that I really want to point out yeah. is one of the people in that group. Um, one of the persons in that group. Yeah, it's Doomsday. Yeah. And that really surprised me. That caught me off guard because I, was, I wasn't I was expecting that, especially from this comic. But Yeah. He came out of nowhere and he didn't really do anything. He just like was there just to just to see him. Like there was yeah. a absence of his rogues gallery in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um so, uh, <laughs> All right, so why don't we why don't we get into the comic proper? I think I think we spent a decent amount of time with the comparison. Right. So um again so the the comic starts off uh right into um uh president uh eisenhower right i um i addressed the uh country letting everyone know that uh the russians have unveiled this new super weapon with all his uh powers and it's superman himself so we kind of skip the origin of superman and everything and we go into uh this um more adult, you know, Superman that we didn't get in the movie. Um, we, from there, we get, uh, you know, essentially the president trying to contact Lex Luthor, who happens to be uh, playing four chess games while reading um, Machiavelli's uh, The Prince. In, yeah. in, I think he's reading it in Italian, um, which is kind of crazy, while also learning learning another language at the same time. Yeah, he's learning Urdu while reading The Prince and playing for, and checkmating four people at the same time. Oh, which yeah. kind of very quickly, clearly tells you, hey, guys, this is our version of Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark. So, um, yeah, the government is uh, looking to Lex Luthor to try to find a solution to uh, the Russian Superman problem. Um, what did you guys think of Lex Luthor being this total badass? I mean, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm coming to you guys from the uh, non DC super fan, so obviously I know the basics of like Lex Luthor and Superman and all the other DC comics. But has he ever really been portrayed to be this much, much of a genius? Yes. Yeah, yeah, pretty routine at this level. Yeah. He's the smartest human on earth. He always has been, yeah. by far, in the DC oh, continuity. Okay. So, because, he, like you said, I mean, well, in the Marvel it's smart, it's smart from, like, a mad scientist point of view, or smart, like, here, like, just, like, he's intellectually this freaking genius. Yeah, I mean, look at it this way. Like, he did build that, that, he builds that suit that he uses to fight Superman that's powered by kryptonite. That's one yeah. of the things. He built that. That wasn't something that he paid for, like, say, Batman would. You know, Batman is kind of a techie, but also he outsources a lot of stuff. He's more, like you said, on Iron Man's level, he builds pretty much everything that he uses right. to face Superman and, like, to deal with any problems that he has. And I think, I think right. Lex has evolved over the years because there, there was a couple of times where he's been like that mad scientist, but then, yeah. you know, he's, he's lately especially... They portray they portray him more like that, you know, upper level intellect. And I it, it, I got a chuckle of watching him playing the four chess games, you know, learning a language and all that stuff. Because it's it almost seems like throughout the comic they try to up that the ante with that 
as as they go along, you know. And another quick point is what is what's interesting about that is that uh, it portrays him much more as the other side of the coin in terms of being the rival of Superman because they're both completely detached from humanity in a way. Superman because he's an alien and Lex Luthor because his intellect and his level of thinking is so much higher than every other human being on Earth. I mean, the, the president calls him for advice. So <laughs> he's, yeah. he's just detached. In, in you know, I don't know. I don't know if we can say that like Superman is attached from humanity because he's rooted in in humanity. He's his. The reason that he's so idealistic is because of obviously the love that he has for the ideals that he was uh, born and raised with before he knew that he was Superman. Remember, until he was twelve years old, he mentions he he you know he was just like one of the regular people going through the same problems that they were going through, and the reason he does everything is for what he believes the betterment of humanity. So I don't know if he's detached from him. I think he becomes detached. I think when he rises to power, that's when he becomes detached. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Because because at that level, he's he's so high up in the ivory tower, so to speak, that, you know, he, he can't be, he's making decisions for almost the entire earth. You know, well, yeah, because I mean, we'll get to that point, but yeah, he at one point ends up being the master of the entire world minus two countries. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so anyway, we get from there. Uh, Lex figures out a harebrained scheme of uh, being able to solve the Superman problem, and he contacts the president directly, like he's his buddy, and he asks for. <clears throat> He asked permission to down a uh, satellite, a Russian Russian satellite in a heavily populated uh, town, Um, and he needs 100 technicians and $10 million stat, you know, Um, and that leads to Superman having to uh, save the satellite from crashing down on Metropolis. Uh, and he has a bunch of different ways. He states that he has so many different ways of stopping it. He he could freeze it. He could uh, maybe veer it off course and whatnot. But he chooses to try to do it in the most spectacular fashion so that everyone is there to see. Um, and what this does is it gives, um, it gives Lex Luthor the ability to find the uh, satellite and use the DNA from Superman's uh, body. Uh, or grips and whatnot to try to, you know, solve the problem, uh, as we'll see in a few. But the other thing that was kind of cool in this comic that wasn't in the movie is that he, there's a moment that when he tries to save Metropolis, he accidentally almost breaks off the uh, giant globe at the top of the Daily Planet Tower. And um, he uses this opportunity to to show the world that his most important care in the world is to save humanity no matter where the you know no matter no matter who it is you know and i think that this like kind of is is very telling as far as like the humanity and the person that superman himself is at least before he rises to complete and total power right. um, he comes from from he's doing it for the children backgrounds like as this the american superman he still comes from a small family you know, he was raised on a farm, so that's still similar enough that it, yeah, it takes some changes in the story to change him away from that. Right, exactly. And and he even says it right here. 
Um, I'm just going to read off to you uh, page 19, where he's saving the uh, people from uh, the bottom of the Daily Planet from the globe hitting them. Um, a cluster of support cables groaned and snapped. People below screamed for someone to save them. Not my people, but I never refused a cry for help. All the lies they spread about me, the propaganda they engineered at the height of the Cold War, none of it mattered for a while on that bright afternoon. Just for a single moment, they realized I was here to save them. And, uh, you know, that kind of, that, that, that still... Uh, bemoans the underlying truth about what Superman represents. Am I wrong, AJ? Well, I actually beg to differ just a little bit because we also okay. get a little more of an insight into his mind just a few panels later. So he does – this is kind of – I don't know if this is kind of like a cockiness thing or kind of like a, a foreshadowing to come, but like when okay. he uh, – actually saving them from the satellite collision. There's a couple of panels where he goes, well, there are a couple of different ways to do this. I could have just used my heat beams and just completely obliterated this thing out of the sky. No casualties done. I could have targeted it at this point. It would have been decommissioned as well. But basically what he does is he chooses the flashiest, most rash and endangering way possible to show these people just how strong he is. Well, yeah, yes, like just like I had explained before, um, he does that to kind of like you know be a spectacular in the face of uh, these Americans and show his might and strength and and all that. Yeah. Um, but like I said, like he's still at the end of the day, his his goal is still to save people, no matter who or where they are. So like there's still there's still light there's still not light there's still like glimpses of of the Superman that we know and love well the yeah. Superman that you DC guys know and love <laughs> he's mostly he's mostly the same Superman but yeah, yeah. There, there is um even in the panel where he's having where he's saving these people you see a little bit of of like a like a an intimidating look. In his eyes, so it, it's not entirely like is there, there's like a smugness to him. So yeah, there's a hint of that, but he's mostly yeah. the same Superman. I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah to me Absolutely. though, that really that kind of set the tone for me. Like that, that yeah. I, I completely understand where you guys are coming from, but for me, that's that is not exactly the Superman I know. The Superman I know would have gone for the safest route. Unless you're yeah. talking about the Man of Steel Superman. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but we'll just destroy everything. Comic <laughs> He is generally oh. safe boy, Boy Scout. This guy, he kind of... And it's like you guys said with the with the intellectual thing earlier. He, he, he really planned... A, he doesn't plan several steps ahead, but you can see that... He puts a lot of thought behind each and everything he does because he knows that not only is he saving people, he also understands that he's part of the Soviet uh, political machine. And I, I think that's a little bit of the reason why he chose to do it like that, because what do we know about the Soviet Union at that time? They were really into propaganda. Propaganda for them was like the way that you showed the world how how much greater the Soviet Union is, right? So 
for Superman, he, you know, he was he was born into that culture. He was born into that mentality. So obviously, if he's going to do something, he's probably going to do something in the most flashiest way because you know what, propaganda wise, it makes sense. It it's one of the things where it's like, you know what, this is gonna this is gonna put a lot of eyes on what I'm doing here. You know. Yeah. You know, I, I agree that it's it's rooted in propaganda, but I, I see a slightly different path because, you know, obviously at this time in World War II, America was also really pushing a lot of propaganda. The difference here is that Superman is, is, is not only part of the propaganda, like in terms of, of him being the propaganda, him being the yeah, weapon, exactly. superiority that they're really pushing. But they're also mm-hmm. whispering in his ear how superior he is. They don't do that in the original Superman runs. He's he doesn't have like government backing, I guess. He doesn't have right. like a hype man like he does mm-hmm. here, which just happens to be Stalin in this case. Yep. So, so it, it works perfect in this, in this iteration for him. So there's one more thing that I want to touch on before we move on, um, and it's as he's saving the globe, he runs into uh, Lois Luthor, uh, which in the movie it's uh, Lois Lane. She definitely doesn't take anybody's last name in the movie, but yeah, here Lois Luthor, and he has he has a little bit of a, a moment where he glimpses, uh, I guess a little bit he hints a little bit at like uh, a possible romantic kind of connection there. He can sense that her heartbeat's a little bit uh, elevated. She has a little bit more perspiration. And he mentions that centuries later, after a thousand interpretations of this meeting, a famous poet would write an alternate history of the world where Lois Luthor and him and Superman became lovers. So it's interesting that they kind of, you know, again, that he's narrating all this. Um, and they never really touch upon this uh, possible romantic situation again in the comic i believe i may be wrong i don't think they do um but it's funny that they have this interaction they don't right so um, there's there's a hint of of lois being intrigued by superman but not really reciprocated by superman in the comic yeah uh, you know talking a little bit more about lois uh i feel like lois in the comic isn't as impactful as she normally is in the in the in the real Superman universe or in the movie itself. I felt like that's one thing that I think that the movie did a little bit better is showing Lois being Lois. You know, in here, she just, to me, just seemed like a supportive housewife. Yeah, she's you know? like a wife for, for Lex. Yeah, which was very, very different for me to see because I've always, I've, I've always seen Lois Lane as one of the most powerful women in comic books, you know, period. But I, I liked it a little bit because it was about her conflict with that. Her like internal there was a lot about her internal conflict with being sort of a trophy wife instead of being her own fully fledged career woman in like she is in the comics usually. There's there's yeah. a little bit of the conflict of that in the comic. Although you're probably right, she has more of an impact in the on the overall story in the right. movie, which is the comic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so we got a lot still to cover. Um, we are fast forwarding now to uh, to Superman having his day in uh, his day in his uh, country of Mother Russia. There's Superman Day here, where he has his own parade, uh, which he can't help but to to miss parts of the parade because he has to intermittently go and save. Um, 
parts of the country that are that, that are in trouble. And here's where we get introduced to Piotr. Um, Piotr here is kind of, while Superman is gone saving the rest of the country, um, in the middle of his own parade, Piotr is kind of upset that in Stalin's mind, the person that's to succeed him is going to be Superman um, when Stalin is, is gone and so on and so forth. And Piotr, being an illegitimate child of Stalin, feels like this is wrong because Superman, who knows if he's going to live for a million years and he's going to be the president of or ruler of the country for the next million years, whereas Piotr wants that position for himself. Um, and... That's it's it's really interesting to see this dynamic. Uh, when I first see this, it's you know again for me, Piotr is not too um, so far at at this very moment. He doesn't seem too significant. He just seems kind of like a bratty child. But we'll see later on that he's not just going to be a bratty child. Um, in this uh, same uh, same kind of scene, we uh, we see that there's a gala also being gathered, which is also where. Um, Wonder Woman and uh, Superman have their first dance and the uh, romantic relationship between them. So, um, Eli, haven't heard from you. What did you think of uh, Wonder Woman's uh, romantic connection with uh, Superman, at least at this point? Uh, well, I felt it was very different from the movie. Well, that's obvious because um, in, in the movie, he was lesbian and they hinted at that. But there's nothing really much to it. Uh, I mean, yeah. one thing that I can say is that, like, one thing that's very different from, like, the Wonder Woman that I feel like you see in everywhere else portrayed is that she's, like, kind of like a very smitten young princess. She's like, oh, how wonderful it is that there's this other person that's like me. And, oh, mother, he's a really nice person and this and the other. And kind of, like, not the... Uh, really independent Wonder Woman that I think that we're used to seeing. Yeah. I think that was very different for me. I didn't I didn't like that, honestly, because I, I personally movie, didn't either. I didn't, I didn't either. Like, yeah, you know, and in the movie I didn't like it either because it was like, why can't Wonder Woman just be a character in here that is <laughs> consequential? And like in, in the comic she's into Superman and in the movie it's like, oh she's not into Superman, but that's only because she's a lesbian. Like it's like Right, exactly. So it's like it, it, for me this is really, really difficult. Like there's certain aspects of the comic I feel like that I liked more than the movie, but then at the same time there's certain things in the movie that I like better than the comic, but it's just like in the comic we have Wonder Woman into Superman, which is awesome, but she's not the Wonder Woman that we know and love, independent and everything. In the movie, she is the independent strong Wonder Woman, but then she's she completely shuts down any chance of there even being an iota of imagination between relationship between her and Superman. So it's like uh, I don't know. That's how I felt about it. Yeah. I feel... Sorry, go ahead, Eli. Oh, uh, I feel that, like you guys said, she was very dependent. And um, also, like, going to a few parts, like, later on in the story, I, I feel like she was, like, too too dependent because, like, I don't, I don't want to get, I don't, okay. I'm, I'm just going to, never mind, never mind. Well, <laughs> no, go on, go ahead. I want to hear you. I'm going to, like, spoil Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Look, um, right. the way that I felt about it on the flip side is that what I thought was interesting about her story, more so in the comics, and 
uh, her story of of Themyscira in general is that it's involved more as like a political power in the comic. It's 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 involved that way in the movie, but in the comic, it's a little there's a little bit more of the fleshing out of that that uh, backstory to everything, and you see Queen Hippolyta a little bit more in the comic. So that's pretty cool about Wonder Woman's role in this. Right. So we go from there to a conversation that, you know, uh, Stalin and uh, and Superman are having. And this is actually one of the things that I want to talk about that's very, very different from the film. Um, and it's this uh, interaction that he has with Stalin, where um, the interaction is kind of very, in the comic book, it's, it's kind of inconsequential. It's not, it's very innocent, doesn't really have much to do about anything. It's just... Superman asking uh, Stalin, hey, where's Piotr? Uh, he's worried about him and this, that, and the other. And Stalin's like, who cares about Piotr and this, that, and the other? And Superman leaves and goes to find Piotr shooting a scarecrow, it seems like. It seems like he might, he's getting drunk or under the influence, at least. Um, he has a private conversation with him out in the field. Um, and this is a very, very important thing uh, as far as the motivations for Superman um, in the comic taking over as a leader in the future versus how that whole thing happened in the movie. Um, in the comic, right here, uh, Superman is trying to talk to Piotr, letting him know that, like, I don't care about being a leader or this, that, and the other. That stuff is not important to me. He just cares about being a good representative of their cause uh whereas Piotr is uh, upset that he's not the one that's going to be um taking over the uh party and that he and that ever since superman came into town that Piotr has essentially been cast aside as a nobody where even any of any of his like best achievements live in the shadow of superman and he proceeds to uh point the gun towards his head to try to kill himself. But the reason that he tries to kill himself is a, a very, very important piece, which again, we don't have in the film. The reason he tries to kill himself is because he has uh, regret for killing, for a flashback that we see here, where he kills these two um, parents that happen to be the parents of a young Bruce Wayne, I guess, in this uh, this telling. Um, and he he kind of can't live with that anymore. Uh, but before he, as he pulls the trigger, we realize that Superman is quick enough to even intercept the bullet, and he gets pissed off that Superman stopped him from even killing himself, which I thought was kind of a little bit of a funny uh, interaction. What did you guys think about like that whole scenario where Piotr is essentially, uh, we reveal uh, Batman's essential origins, as well as uh, the person who killed uh, Bruce Wayne's uh, parents in this this telling, as well as, um, you know, him being upset at Superman for interrupting his suicide. What did you guys feel about this whole uh, little section there? I, what I like the most about this scene is that as he's talking to Piotr, Piotr's still shooting the Scarecrow. And every time he messes up the Scarecrow, Superman goes... <laughs> It. And, then he'll <laughs> and then he'll go back to fix it. And I like that small detail because it shows that no matter how dumb and insignificant it may be, Superman will do whatever it takes in his power 
to fix something. He is Mister Fix It, and this is like in an order staple of that entire persona. And it really, this is another one of those things that for me set the tone going forward. And I really like that song. Actually, you know what? You just pointed something out for me that that makes a lot of sense, right? Because I think Piotr kind of represents society as a whole in a sense, right? If you think about it, every time he shoots down the Scarecrow and Superman goes to fix it, he's like, hey, I didn't ask you to fix it. Nobody told you to go fix it. But Superman just like ignores that and still keeps fixing it. Like he doesn't care. So this is the point where we can start seeing him being out of touch with societies and people's actual wants and desires versus what he wants to do for, for, for society or what he feels is the right thing to do. Um, yes. Hmm. Interesting. I, yeah. You know, I agree. This is, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the entire comic. Yeah, this, me too. This dialogue. Um, you know, because it, it sets up Piotr and how interesting of a character he is. And again, it's, it's a shame he's not in the movie. But it sets him up also not not just as um, somebody who's jealous of Superman, but like it humanizes him, like you said, because he feels that guilt over killing Super or over excuse me over killing um, Batman, young Bruce Wayne's parents, and shooting young Bruce Wayne in the shoulder. Right, um, right. And also, like he feels the guilt over not only just because he feels it on a human level, because of all of the things he had to do to get as far as he did to win as much of his father's favor as he did. And it's still nothing compared to the favor that Superman wins because of who he is. So that's a really cool dynamic at play here. And I think that it's great. Also, you're right, AJ. Like I love the detail about how Superman is constantly, you know, he stops him from killing himself. He picks up the scarecrow's hat and like its head and that's a really interesting detail also that I didn't even notice until you mentioned it. And it really does set the tone really well. Plus, I love Batman's origin in here way more right. than I do in the movie. Yeah. So very, very uh I like I like that too. I gotta admit that a good good catch, AJ. I didn't I didn't even really realize that until you mentioned it. I mean I realized that as I was reading it, but I didn't realize how like kind of impactful that little interaction is with him fixing the scarecrow for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um well actually uh the I know this this scene popped out to a lot of you guys but like this really popped out to me and you guys already did it but it's when it's the interaction between Piotr and Bruce Wayne and it just uh, it surprised me. It caught me off guard. I did not es- expect that. But well, what part exactly caught you off guard? Um, well, just just the whole entire like the scene, like the whole entire thing, and especially the art. Um, the page after I think it's the page after Bruce Wayne gets uh shot in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Where it's right. Like, Bru- yeah, Bruce Wayne is just like screaming, and then there are bats. Like, uh, like on the side, it just really popped out of me. Out yeah, of it's me. a cool scene. It's for sure a cool scene, and that's also, I guess, like the moment that he. It's like the moment that, like, he in his brain or his mind became the Batman. Yeah. Um. So from so so while he's talking to Piotr, he he hears something. He hears uh, he doesn't understand exactly what's going on, but he hears some uh shouting coming from Moscow, and he. You know, 
gives up the conversation he was having for, with Piotr, and he rushes to Moscow only to find that uh, Stalin's been poisoned. Um, and he he realized that he's been poisoned with some some acute cyanide. Um, not sure exactly where that's where it came from and so on and so forth, but obviously it's an intentional poisoning, which actually I don't think they, they ever elaborate, elaborate on who did the poisoning, yeah? Actually, they did. They did? I don't remember where. Piotr says about it. Who? Piotr says uh, he's he's done a terrible thing. So it's very much it's very much suggested that he's the one that did it. Oh, I thought ah, that does make sense. I thought he was still talking about like the uh, the him killing the 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 Waynes. I think AJ was going to say the same thing because uh, what he says specifically is, I've done such a terrible thing, Superman. Father made me so angry this morning and I arranged. And then he cuts off Mm -hmm. and then, you know, um, you are right. You hear the shouting for for Stalin. Mm -hmm. Correct. That's really interesting that. hmm, Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so Stalin's been uh, poisoned by his uh, son, apparently, and that also apparently happens to like go right over Superman's head, <laughs> um, because we don't see any repercussions about from that in the future, I believe. Uh, but this is the thing that's very, very different from the film, and which kind of you know changes the motivations in the comic versus the film. In the film, uh, Superman kills uh, Stalin via death ray, um, not by accident or anything, premeditated first-degree murder, and then takes control of the uh, Soviet Union right then and there. Mm-hmm. And here, uh, Stalin is dead, and he, you know, I guess um, is upset about it himself and all that stuff, but he doesn't immediately take control of the country. Not yet. He's Everyone's been moaning him to take control of the country. Everyone, uh, all, all the powers that be within the country are trying to make him um, the de facto leader. He, he doesn't believe in taking control of the country. Whereas in the movie, he grabbed that control, you know, through killing Stalin. So uh, which, which of the two killings, um, I wanted to talk about this specifically, which of the two, uh, I guess, uh, deaths of Stalin were better for you from an overall aspect of uh, in the story? I preferred the poisoning better because, again, mm-hmm. I, I, I hate to harp on this, but Piotr makes the story so much more in-depth as opposed to just, I mean, what they did in the movie was cool too, but I just, it, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't the same level of, of depth. Like, even after Stalin dies, like you said, he's so reluctant to take the the throne for right yeah and it's those kinds of elaborations you don't get that in the movie no definitely not that's why that's why i was saying that in the comic i still feel like he's a little bit more truer to superman form than in the movie because he's still like about you know about just cause versus uh grabbing power at all costs at all costs which I felt like the movie was more about like Superman wanting more and more power. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, and, and then we also get introduced to Lex Luthor's version of Superman, which is a bizarro like uh, Superman being. 
which he sends directly right away to fight Superman. Not in the way that it was done in the film, but um, either you know, either way, they still fight it off. Uh, he is not as strong as Superman. Um, and can who wants to explain to me exactly how this whole London thing happened? Because this this wasn't really part of the film either. Uh, I had a little bit of trouble understanding. Like, I see that like uh, a bunch of people died in London because of their battle and so on and so forth. Um, where they didn't put this in the movie at all, right? Yeah. So. I think what this part was really trying to allude to was that even though the United States produced this horribly twisted aberration that was basically sculpted from Superman's image, at the heart of it, he really was Superman because he did the right thing. Even though they leave it kind of ambiguous, you can pretty much, because what is, what is one of the things he does before, because, all right, before I even get there. When they're fighting, right? Uh, what's his, the Bizarro tries to use uh, X-ray for some reason, right? What he ends up doing is he ends up severely irradiating these uh, these U.S. submariners uh, that are also uh, spectating this event. And what ends up happening is that one of these guys, obviously being driven crazy by radiation, they press one of the, the nuke buttons, right? Uh, nukes in their possession. And one of the things that Bizarro does is that because he sees the nuke is about to hit them, he doesn't continue his fight with Superman like some mindless beast. He purposely freezes Superman. And then goes after it himself. Now, Superman's going over this as a deliberation. Is this propaganda or is this because at heart he's like me? I mean, if you look at if you look at the way he's actually portrayed in the panels, he really has that sympathetic look. So to me, I can kind of see how he's the the Superman at heart kind of thing. True. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, that was a very stark difference to like how uh, the bizarro Superman in the film was portrayed um, right after that, which is also kind of ironic that like we kind of broke off into this battle before we get to the uh, to the funeral of Stalin, um, which I felt kind of felt a little bit out of place, to be honest with you. Um through the funeral of Stalin, we st- we get another example of Piotr trying to talk to Superman about how like everybody wants him to be the leader, and he again refuses to take the lead, uh, and not wanting that responsibility. But as we go forward, we also see Lex Luthor kind of going crazy and upset that he felt humiliated, um, uh, and asks uh, Lois basically to take a back seat to their relationship because now he has to be completely in and and utterly devoted to the destruction of Superman. Um, and as we, as, as we go along, we, we, see, we see the actual interaction, one of the first interactions, I believe, between Superman and Lana, um, who is a childhood friend of his, which in the movie had a much bigger part. In this interaction is where we see Superman for the first time agree that he has to be the leader of this new, this new, 
you know, world, essentially. When he sees Lana on the line for a uh, uh, to get some food, she's been waiting for hours. And then there's people on that line that have been waiting for weeks. And he realizes this is wrong. And no one should have to be living under these means um, as long as he's in power. And this is the moment that he decides to take on uh, the challenge of leading the country and taking everyone out of power, poverty. So, um, as he said, Superman is here to rescue them all. Uh, how did you feel about these, uh, that kind of, that being the motivation for him? May I just interject one small point that, uh, of course you can interject all you want. When he's basically pseudo breaking up with Lois, um, one of the reasons that he claims that he's devoting his life to Superman is that the bizarro Superman had the audacity to be the one to beat him at chess. Yes. So I yeah. think that also that not only adds to like bizarro's intelligence and the fact that maybe he was trying to do the right thing. But again, yeah. it also calls back to like how the the how different Lex really is uh, in this iteration and in the movie iteration. Right, I agree. Um, so, any any other points on that? Nope, that's it. I just wanted that one little thing. <clears throat> okay, so um, fast forward, we have we're, we're now kind of at the point where Lex Luthor is still. Um, uh, he, every the ages have passed a little bit. Uh, Lex Luthor is beginning to bald, so to speak, beginning to look a little bit fatter, and uh, you can see Superman has also aged. He has a little bit more of a uh, uh presidential or militaristic uh uniform, and we get introduced to Brainiac. Um, the situation here is actually AJ. You you have a little bit better understanding of uh, Brainiac and this situation. So why don't you go ahead and explain to us what this whole interaction, which is I again I think different from how they did in the movie, um, this interaction with Stalingrad in the glass and Brainiac. So again, just I love. Luther's snarking. It's like apparently this guy's supposed to be smarter than me, and he can't even get the place right. <laughs> like that was yeah. that was that was one thing I found really funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, <sighs> he had a. It's very interesting. They actually switch up some lines here. Uh, or actually, no. Does Batman also make the line later on? I don't remember. But basically, uh, Luther. He's, despite gathering as much knowledge as he does, he is continually testing Superman to see what his right, limits right. are. Like, it's not just, oh, so I've learned everything I can from the Saturday. Great. I know everything. But, and it really also speaks to the uh, point I mentioned earlier. What? Even the dude's clone can beat me? What the hell is this? So he's just... This is one of those moments where he's just, throughout the comic, he's constantly just testing Superman at his <coughs> limits. That's what this is really supposed to symbolize. Exactly. So, um, you know, that, that's an important interaction 
For sure, but this this issue we're in the the second issue essentially. The second issue is um now a little bit more predominantly about Batman and introduces Batman. So we are uh, we fast forward a little bit to the uh, Superman Museum, I believe, where we have the Rose Gallery that they have here. They 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 talk about how every single country in the world has now come under the uh, the ideology of the Soviet Union with the exception of uh, the United States and Chile, which is interesting because isn't Chile also a communist country today in our real world? I believe so, yes. Yeah, yeah so it's funny so. that like they're not in this story. Anyway, so every single country in the world with the exception of the U.S. and Chile are now under Superman's watch. And here we now have Batman who wants to kind of you know, throw a wrench into Superman's uh, plans and all that. So he's a little bit of a uh, revolutionary, you could say. And he plants a bomb in the uh, museum. They don't show him as diabolical as he was in the movie. In the movie, he was a little bit more sadistic, I feel like. He kind of gave everyone a chance to flee in the comic book. But he blows up. Uh, the museum, and it seems like a bunch of other buildings created the the commotion. Um, and this is where we get introduced to Batman being this vigilante, uh, revolutionary vigilante, so to speak. So, um, and I, I thought that it was cool to see that happening because you see Piotr then come along to Superman, ask where was where where was he when. You know, the country needed him, this, that, and the other. And you see Superman kind of chiseling out a statue of himself, it seems like, with a sickle in hand. I thought that was really interesting. But he goes on to say that, like, while all that stuff was going on, he was doing other acts saving the country. And and uh, we even see him also uh, interacting with Wonder Woman and stuff. Um, I don't want to talk too much about uh, the Batman scene since it wasn't too different from the movie itself. Uh, mostly, uh simple there. Um, but this interaction with, with Wonder Woman is, is kind of important. They're saving uh, people off of a tanker. Um, and we see Wonder Woman's view of America. You know, since she's representing this neutral uh, state she's saving people from both sides of the the, the the coin and she says that america is disgusting it's absolutely disgusting it's 1978 and children are still sleeping in the streets over there um and at this point kennedy is uh kennedy is the uh president and she questions why he's still clinging on to this capitalist dogma whereas uh communism is really the way to go it seems like um well she she does mention actually um and i think this was a bit of a of a nod to the film and the book but you know well but she actually says it's uh it's 19 no you know i'm sorry excuse me you said right it's 1978 i was gonna make an allusion to something else but forget it Wait, what is Kennedy's the president here? I thought it was, huh? That's right, because yeah, no, she does. She, she mentions Kennedy. I mean, again, like I guess you know, different timelines and all that. Yeah, I guess was, Kennedy didn't get assassinated yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, Nixon got assassinated. I think in this one, actually, that's something that happened earlier. And huh. I didn't see that actually. I don't yeah. remember doing that. They they changed that timeline around. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, uh, so so we get a little bit of a kind of her worldviews on America, and we kind of get thrown back to uh, Lex Luthor still trying to figure out how to defeat Superman, and we kind of see a glimpse of these red lamps, which we're going to see a little bit later on. Um, the the interactions with with Superman and Wonder Woman are important here. As I alluded to earlier, this is... This is kind of where we see Wonder Woman doing everything that she can to support Superman, but it seems like it's from a romantic point of view. Because like I said, Superman states here on page uh, 78, uh, life, he's he's kind of reminiscing back to when, back to the early days of uh, him being the Superman. And it says, life was so simple in those days, deflecting meteorites, welding tectonic plates, man, managing a global economy single-handedly every problem had a solution sometimes even two solutions of course a romance was suspected but we both just laughed at the idea diana was more like one of the boys and she had no use for men on her antiseptic island or so it seemed in those faraway days poor diana i could monitor life on other worlds and watch electrons in their eternal orbit but sometimes i was so blind and this is, again, like, I thought this was, like, an awesome way to show that there was an inkling of a romance, even though it never actually materialized. Um, but it, it, it kind of perfectly, uh, you know, shows or exemplifies that Wonder Woman or Diana wasn't doing all these things just to be, you know, a hero, but she was doing it for Superman, it seems like. Did you guys get that feeling or no? Yeah, I, I got that feeling for sure. Um, so going on ahead, uh, this is kind of where we start kind of getting to the uh, the climax of uh, a in, impending battle between Batman and Superman. And it's real funny because we see Batman in his cave, and it's not the Batcave that you would assume or expect and stuff. It's very, very run down. Uh, there's kind of a, oh, ironically, actually, I never saw this. I didn't realize this first time around, but there's a, he, he kind of has a messed up American flag in his cave. Interesting. You guys noticed that? Uh, yeah. Oh, I just noticed that also. I didn't realize that before. Hanging from the ceiling. Um, this is, this is actually one of the few things, cause going forward from this point on, like you said, the story doesn't really deviate a heck of a lot from the movie. This is where they don't really make any of the changes. I mean, the only small changes were this scene with Piotr and Batman, where they sort of hatch the plan that leads into the next scene. Um, and just before that scene, I think the, the great scene with Lana, which kind of makes yeah. it a more personal choice for Superman to take control. Well, yeah, that's actually it's funny because it's not such a small scene. If you realize, obviously, so Batman, Batman summons Piotr because he hears about around the rumbling around around the he hears word that Piotr wants to meet with Batman. So he summons him um, to see what he wants to talk about. But let's not forget that Piotr is the person that killed uh, Batman's parents. I don't think that Piotr knows this uh about batman or at least they don't really kind of allude to it necessarily um but piotr comes to batman and tells him that he has he he's been in contact with the cia and lex Luthor, and they have a way a surefire way to kill to kill superman and to Mm -hmm. defeat him 
And so they want to give Batman the uh, tech in order to do so, which is going to end up being the red lamps, uh, the red lamps that rep- represent the the Kryptonian, uh, you know, weakness that he has uh, in the regular Superman lore. And here it's the uh, power of the red sun um, that's being emulated through these uh, lamps that Lex is giving to Batman, which is, you know, they didn't put that in the movie. We never, I don't think we ever even questioned um, uh, no, how did, Batman they did. They did. It, in the it was in the movie. It's just that in the movie, I think they assumed that people understood that that was the weakness of Superman. No, 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 I do. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is that like they didn't show that. I don't think in the movie they showed Lex Luthor giving Batman this technology. No, you're no, right. right. Batman knew because he's not involved in the plot at all. Batman is completely running the plot in the comic. Right. Or in the movie. In the, in the movie. movie. In the movie, yes. Yes. This Batman isn't as uh ingenious as he is in regular Batman lore or in the movie, I feel like, I guess. Um, but I thought this was really interesting that like he would take a deal with the man who killed his parents when his whole motivation is essentially to well, maybe not his whole motivation, but I guess has his motivation ever really been to 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 kill uh, his parents' killer? Well, no, right after Superman, he was next. Yeah, he did state that. Yeah, he did state that. But not, not, in, the, not in the initial canon or the initial yeah. canon. Mm-hmm. I'm I sorry. Think, what was that, Walter? I think it was kind of a means to an end. You know, the end of me and yeah. my end is my friend type of thing. I, I That's think true. That, at this point, you you start seeing how society is is growing in, increasingly. Um, they're they're not liking Supermanism, you know, because uh, you you hear a lot of at this point. There's there's you know some rumbling of the blandness of the idea, and this is where I think you're starting to see the skeletons of Superman's vision, because everybody has a job and everybody has has a place in the world. But then you're forced into those places because a, a part of what he does is he takes those dissidents, those people that are against him, and he creates Superman robots, so to speak, where they're mindless right. characters. You know, and I think this is starting this is where you're starting to see the crack in his society. And you know, you're seeing how more and more people are starting to get a little disillusioned with this perfect utopia that he believes he's created. Right. And it's funny because, like, going back, to, since you mentioned the Animatrix, this is something also that, like, uh, kind of harks back to the Matrix for me. Um, if you guys remember um, in the, uh, what is it, Revolutions? The second movie? Or is it Revisited? I don't remember. Oh, Reloaded. Reloaded, Matrix Reloaded. When he, when Neo gets the architect, the architect says that like we created a Matrix and it was absolutely perfect um, in every single way, and in that is you know that perfection drove the people mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Smith said that in the first one, also. Yeah, yeah. they said that in the first film. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, the same thing. Uh, I think the, that the architect says it again, but he definitely says that in the first one. Um, huh. as well, I, I saw it somewhat recently actually, so that's how I remember. Okay, it. pretty. Um, so yeah, so it's funny. Like I, I like I, I'd like to kind of study wow. that 
that, that philosophical point, actually. I, I think there may be some truth to that because maybe that's the reason why there's always war and no peace. But anyway, um, Superman uh, gets lured into a battle with Batman. Uh, Batman uh, captures Wonder Woman and um, ties her up with her own lasso, forcing her under his uh, control, and he forces her to get Superman there. Um, he unveils to Superman that he has a bomb in his uh, stomach, and uh, just as always, explains to Superman that the strongest, most dangerous weapon is on Earth is the uh, the what's in within his brain, the the brain that's in the human mind. Um, and he unveils the uh, red heat lamps and and proceeds to to start destroying and beating the the crap out of Superman um, to the point that he can just uh, throw him throw him in a bunker to keep him under you know lock and key uh, until Batman can you know rescue society and so on and so forth. Um, here's where it's a little bit different where. In the movie, uh, Wonder Woman, she takes it upon herself to break away from the chains and um, to save Superman. She breaks her own lasso in order to destroy the electric generator so that the lamps can turn off and Superman can can come back to his uh, all, all his glory. Whereas here in the comic book, he is the one that convinces uh, Diana to break the lasso. Um, and save him, which she does. But as soon as she breaks the lasso, something very, very different happens um, than the movie, where she kind of loses herself, loses her, not just her soul, but also kind of like her mind a little bit, um, as soon as she breaks the lasso. Uh, she breaks the lasso, destroys the generator, but then she also kind of loses her being, which is kind of an important thing to note. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that in in, in, in a few. Uh, Superman uh, no longer being under the uh, weakness of the red sun lamps, uh, breaks free and threatens Batman with scrambling his brain and giving him a job at the uh, as a bank teller, which is, I think, much more a little bit a, a step up from the uh, market, which is what he was threatened with in the movie, and. And Batman, right before realizing that he that he said the reason that he swallowed the bomb is because he'd rather be a martyr than be one of Superman's ridiculous robots. And right before he presses the trigger and detonates himself into a billion gushing pieces, he reminds he tells Superman that Piotr was the one that that betrayed him. Uh, Batman blows up, and there's a bunch of blood splatter on Superman, and we see kind of Superman's like face in awe. I guess maybe he's never seen anything like this before. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, this is mostly similar to the to the movie, so we don't have to get too much into the details. But the difference, right. kind of, are that you have the slightly different motivation for Wonder Woman, where here it's more Superman goading her into doing it. In the movie, it's more she does it more of her own accord to be heroic, which again kind of highlights the difference between Wonder Woman. Uh, normally and in the movie and in the comic. And also, of course, you have the added layer where it's more of a plot that Piotr uh, hatches with Batman, which does lead into the, the following scene after essentially, again, the same things occur with Superman or with Batman blowing up and Superwoman get, or Wonder Woman getting old after she breaks the lasso. 
Right. I mean, the, the, again, one of the main key, the key differences for me is that that like you know, um, she she's the one that like she chooses to listen to Superman and so on and so forth. But again, like we it, when we fast forward and we see that she's being taken care of in a uh, it seems like almost like a royal bed. She literally just like eats and sleeps and doesn't move. She's almost like catatonic, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very, very different because in the movie she was still Wonder Woman. She was just old. And I yeah. think this is, this is one of the reasons why I think Piotr would have worked a little bit better because, you know, right afterwards we, we see that Piotr is turned into this mindless robot and stuff. And, yes. and we also see Superman kind of retreating and isolating himself into the Fortress of Solitude, you know. And I think this is where, you know, Piotr plays a, a, a bigger part also because it's the isolationism of, of Superman where it's like now he doesn't know who he can trust. You know, he's he's already he's already distancing himself from Wonder Woman. Piotr betrayed him. There was a plot to kill him. And meanwhile, he's trying to do his best to create this perfect utopia for everybody. Mm-hmm. And nobody seems to appreciate the fact that he's trying to do this, you know? Right. Uh, I wanted to highlight one specific thing. So, mm-hmm. right after the part where uh, Wonder Woman breaks the lasso and Superman blows himself up, he, Wonder Woman goes to him like, "Hey, you know, I think I really hurt myself and I messed up." And it's, Superman's yeah. reaction isn't even, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, you do look hurt. Are you all right?" It seems he's he is like so absorbed in himself. Like, I mean, I get that he's shocked by Piotr betraying him, but like, I just found that interesting. That and you uh, and you saw it when he was making that uh, statue to well, who else himself. But here yeah. it also really highlights it. Like he, everyone in his general vicinity, it's not so much that. It doesn't feel like he genuinely cares for them, but they're more there to further his own ambitions. And this scene really staples that for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something that something that I wanted to um, uh, point out is um, two of my favorite scenes, well, two of my favorite parts, like dialogue in the scene is um I think it was stated in the movie too, but uh uh I'm just gonna tell you it. Uh quote and I quote, I can see your brain from here, Batman, and believe me, it's nothing to boast about. And yeah. I just found that line really I I found that line I don't know, there was something to it. But it, I think I think it was in the movie though. And I think that's why uh that's one reason why it popped out to me. It, it's in yeah. both um, both yeah. uh, iterations of it. It's pretty much word for word, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And yeah, um, but going back to that, just like uh, we did in the in, in when we reviewed the film, it was one of those things that like showed the stark difference between how Superman's brain works and how Batman's brain works. Whereas Superman sees things in a literal sense, as opposed to kind of discerning the deeper value of like what Batman was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, um. Also, my second thing, um, that also really popped out to me was like, it gave me the chills when Batman said it. But it's like, and I quote again, uh, people I cared about, 
What you're going to feel for the next 10 minutes is nothing compared to what they went through. You powered mad lunatic. And that really just, I don't know why that popped out to me, but it just seemed like, it seemed like Superman was more of the bad guy that, than he is. And he is the bad guy in, in some, yeah, but it, okay, yeah. Right. So, yep. that pretty much concludes the second issue. Now we're in our third and final issue. And uh, to start off the issue, again, we see uh, there's been a little bit of a uh, uh, a, a fast-forwarding of the uh, uh, the time and stuff. Uh, Superman's just a little bit older-looking. He's actually got a little bit of a receding hairline. Um, by the way, I absolutely love Superman's uh, suit in this uh in, in, in this comic, by the way. I think it's so, like, pretty boss. Anyway. Uh, like a Kingdom Come Superman, a little bit, like, older. Yeah, actually, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he kind of has that look also with the uh, the streaks of gray in his hair hair mm-hmm. and everything. So, um, in this timeline, again, now we have a fully bald and aging uh, Lex Luthor, who is also now the president of the United States, which is a sole country uh, resisting the communist... Um, world essentially and Lex Luthor has closed off all borders he's creating his own American utopia to combat the uh the communist utopia found in the rest of the world um but still with under the uh guise of trying to defeat Superman um in here this is where we kind of get like our first uh a introduction to the phantom zone now being that uh aj you're a little bit more well versed in the phantom zone i would like to see could you you might taking us taking us through this whole uh section with the phantom zone and the green lantern core and all that aj yeah uh yeah <laughs> so sorry i was looking at some of the comic panels here uh mm-hmm. Yeah, so I particularly found Hal Jordan's origin story very interesting. Like, this was, and it's kind of a, it's sad. We could have at least gotten a little more of a snippet in the movie, but just like, normally Green Lantern, yeah, he's cool, but like, in this iteration, he's just a complete monster. Right. This dude, he like, was able to survive how many months in Vietnam? No, not sorry, not months. Four years, basically under extenuating physical and psychological torture. And basically, they what this highlighted here was his qualifications for being the uh, the wielder of willpower. It's really good stuff. Yeah. Now. Now from now, now from here we also see we also see Superman in this is in his Fortress of Solitude talking to Brainiac and Brainiac is really kind of giving his uh, I guess his advice to uh, Superman and what he should do and so on and so forth um, and we we get to also see the Lantern Corps uh, getting ready which is I felt like this was a much bigger core than was shown in the movie. Um, the core goes off to 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 fight Superman, and they start fighting. Which I think I, I I thought the battle in the comic was way better than in the movie. 
Um, I also like the design of the Lantern Corps and Hal Jordan and so on and so forth. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, but from here, we also get a uh, we get we get the women of Themyscira. Oh, I can never pronounce that right. Themyscira. Just think of Themyscira. The mascara. The mascara. The mascara. Okay. Um, so anyway, they are. They now go to fight Superman himself, which is also very different from the uh, the movie, right? Yeah, in the movies, Wonder Woman was there as like a. It was her last like ditch effort to like, hey, you guys could be a much better force for the world. Uh, working together than butting heads. But in this one, they were just like, yeah, you know what? We we just don't like the Soviet Union anymore. Let's team up with the Americans. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, very differently. The motivations yeah. are, are, yeah. are definitely very different. And then and, and, go, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's all right. Go ahead. And then we get into the final act where Superman's at his... Uh, he finally concedes to Brainiac's consent after Lex Luthor personally <laughs> invades the the Fortress of Solitude by yeah. himself. He uses the uh, the attack with the Green Lanterns as sort of a diversion to get in there. Well, no, he actually gets in before that. I thought it was during the the battle. No, he goes after after. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so basically. Uh, my bad. So he goes to America. He's gonna end this once and for all. Brainiac finally is like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get him, Superman. Let's go." And so he's fighting through the rogues gallery. Doomsday makes an appearance. You would have thought, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but then Lois comes out onto the scene. The fighting starts to come to a close, and she goes. It, I'm paraphrasing a lot here, but basically, hey, for the second time, are you really going to do this? And he's like, well, yeah, I kind of have to. Someone has to win this debate, you know. And she goes, well, Lex Luthor kind of wrote a, re- a letter for you. You know, you should probably read it before you go about oh. doing it. Yes. And then he reads the letter, and oh my God, this letter. <laughs> So the letter he writes to Superman is, why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle? Yes. Why was this removed from the film? down. <laughs> like, why I mean, Brainiac said it before. When uh, Lex Luthor was originally going to, when he broke into the Fourth of Solitude, he's like, Superman's like, dude, why would you, because Brainiac shuts him down. Why did you do that? And Brainiac goes, well, if he'd said another 12 words, he would have been able to convince you to kill yourself. That statement is made manifest with this letter. <laughs> My God. Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is something that I was really, really upset that they removed it, like I said, from the movie, because... This is this is my favorite, absolute favorite moment in the entire comic. It, it shows you again, as you've said many times, AJ, like the level of intellect that Lex Luthor has in the canon is is still way higher than Superman, who's also a genius level intellect. But um, 
it, it also illustrates that difference that we've been talking about for the entire time, how in the movie he's definitely more acting um, with a little, more, a little bit more malice. In the comic, he's still got some malicious intent and some power-hungry intent, but he's still human. And this, the way he breaks down in this moment is just so incredible. Yeah. And so once he breaks down, you know, he decides, you made your point, Lex. You know what? This is going to go back to Russia. And Brainiac's like, dude, we're here. We should just do it. No, let's leave. I really think you should do this. No, come on, Brainiac. Let's leave. Yeah, okay, this is unacceptable. And blasts him. Like, this, this <coughs> completely blasts him. And, you know, he in the, like in the movie, he goes on the tangent, bro, you really thought you could reprogram me? Get on my level. <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. After a little bit of help from Lex Luthor, you know, they basically beat Brainiac. And then, uh, the just like in the movie also, his black hole engines start to do a countdown for self-destruct. Superman goes, well, I gotta be me. Let's take this one to the stars. What is different from the movie, however is that Superman realizes that Lex had this all planned out. And he basically makes this comment at the very, well, not the very end, but at the end of this particular story, he just says, well played, old friend. And he launches the Brainiac ship into oblivion. Right, which is, again, this is where I say that, like, this is just another example of how, like, there was a more personal... Uh, back and forth between Lex and Superman than in the film. Um, and yeah, like this, we, we see the uh, Brainiac explosion and so on and so forth. And uh, right after, right after Superman says, uh, "Well played, old friend," we get brought back to Lex Luthor, where he's kind of reminiscing. He says, "Superman gone, Brainiac gone, the world ready to ready to embrace Lutherism." even more readily than ever before. One could almost be forgiven for thinking that this had all been worked out to the 10th decimal point 40 years ago, eh? And then he says, checkmate Superman. Now, my question for you guys is this. Was Lex Luthor completely self-serving? Or was he doing this for the betterment of mankind? Here, I feel like he's self-serving because in him saying that the world is ready to embrace Lutherism, he this is him accomplishing his goal of world domination, isn't it? Yeah, that and, well, he finally beat Superman. That's been like his goal for the past, what, 40 to 50 years? Yeah, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the movie, he has more humanitarian uh, goals. Yes, exactly. In yeah. this one, it's like, well, Luther's the way, folks. Let's get on with it. I think in the movie he he started out much like the one in the comic, and then he veered off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the movie kind of showed that because the entire the entire movie he was playing a chess game, so it was almost as if you know the entire movie for him was the chess game. But I think somewhere in the middle, his motivations changed. Uh, it worked more toward a more humanitarian view. Whereas in the comic book, he still kind of stayed the same all the way down the line. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Now, here's where we get to the uh, ending that we've been alluding to that's very, very different, or rather it's like an additional ending to the uh, film itself because you know we we get brought we we get like a little bit of a fast track forward to the uh um the future of society where luther has lived now for i have no idea for how long actually but it seems well into the fourth millennia um thousands of years so every single bad thing has been cured there's no AIDS, there's no cancer, there's no diabetes, blindness, and every every single form of illness has been eradicated. The entire solar system has been populated. Um, and there are <clears throat> there's eons and eons of generations uh, stemming from Lex Luthor, which brings us to a very interesting future. Um uh, and I, uh, I'm going to read a little bit of that future well, towards the ending of this on page 144. Um, mankind has, and I'm reading from the middle, uh, mankind has evolved to become the most advanced species in the known universe, inspired and led by a billion years of Luther lineage. A billion years. Lena Luther, the artist. Lombard Luther, the image, uh, the imagineer. Lord Luther. 145, the mathematician, Jordan Luth, 1938, pioneering necronaut and first man to set foot in the afterlife. Whoa, I kind of want to see like a comic on that. Alex L, Jordan L. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I missed that one. (laughs) Now, here's where it starts to get interesting because now we see, as, as, as we see, we're seeing the progression of like surnames before it was just Lena Luther. Then it went to Luth with a number attached to the end of it. And now we're going into Alex L, the L denoting Luther, right? Um, so we have Alex L, Jordan L, Lana L, and of course Lex Luther's great grandson to the power 50, a young man called Jor L, whose IQ exceeded that of even his beloved ancestor. But he's been acting strange lately, working too hard and telling the world that our bright red sun that has dimmed my powers and aged my mind is in danger of consuming us. Could he be right, I wonder? Or is this to be the first time in countless years that a Luther had made a mistake? And this is, of course, Superman narrating. Um, And we see essentially kind of like the same Superman origins that we're used to. Uh, We see Jor-El and his wife arguing about, you know, the cataclysmic event of the red sun consuming their planet or their planet being destroyed or or whatnot. In this case, it's the red sun consuming the planet. And in an effort to stop this from happening, Jor-El sent his son Cal-El, the L again, denoting the uh, descendancy of Luther. Um, I guess he's like Lex Luther's grandson to the power of 51, I guess. I don't know. Um, Jor-El sent his son Cal-El into the past to stop this from happening. And when he lands, he lands in Russia, giving us a time travel into the uh, past of Russia. He lands in Russia and essentially it's kind of like this is the origin of this whole Russian Superman um, story. So, what did you guys think of that like time travel ending? 
The time travel bit was a surprise, to be sure. But uh, <laughs> really, I think the better part of this ending was the progression of the names from Luther, Luth138, to... Yeah, that was cool. That was I like that. Cool. The time travel itself... I was all right with it, but as we've been, because, you know, we, we talk outside of the podcast. We were talking about it a little bit before. The time travel kind of, I, I don't want to say it cheapens it, but, like, for it to be an infinite loop, it's like, oh, wow, okay. I think this uh, comic book should have ended a couple of pages earlier. I think uh, I it could have on the dialogue with with um, Superman narrating and him walking away after he mm-hmm. saw Lois. Um, I'm not a fan of the way this thing ended. I think it was really jarring, especially after what we had seen everything. And it just, it, it didn't work for me. Um, per- oh. No, go on, uh, Eli. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, two things. I felt like the ending was completely random. Like it just didn't fit in with the rest of the story. It, 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 it wasn't. I mean, I mean, I guess it kind of did, but like, it didn't. It felt out of place. Here's what I like about it. What I like about it is that Luthor, his whole fixation is on Superman, but the tragedy of it all is really fighting with himself or rather his own intellectual genius. This is honestly a self-contained Luther story because basically what you have, what you have happening here is everyone's fixating on the fact that Superman is an alien. He is so different from us, but what does he end up being? He ends up being a human from the future. And for me, it's kind of ironic that Luther has this whole vendetta against Superman, but he ends up being related to Superman. But um, also, my uh, my second thing is that I felt like the Brainiac fight happened too way too quick. Yeah, it it was rushed. It felt rushed. It didn't. It I didn't. felt like there could have been. Yeah, I agree with you, Eli. I felt like there could have been a little bit more development of the Brainiac, um, kind of. Uh, storyline and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I actually thought, like, you know, just to kind of harp on, like, what you said, Walter, like, it could have ended a couple pages earlier. I think it could have ended right at the end of the explanation of all the descendancy, like, all the way until it gets to, like, Jor-El. Because then that would have left it open-ended for us to be like, wow, like, so, like, Cal L, the reason he's named Cal L is because he's a descendant of Lex Luthor. And then we would have just been left to wonder if, like, the Cal L that we know is from some parallel universe or from some other version of Earth and some other distant planet. Um, it would have been better to leave it open without showing the time travel piece. That's not a good idea. You know? I see. I actually, and I have to disagree a little bit because I thought it was interesting because it it showed even further and more intimately what um what all great sort of comic heroes and villains have in their 
in their origin story is that they sort of create each other. This is a way of making that really literal. Like he yeah, really that's... like literally that's... creates Superman. Well, the, and, you don't take away from that. If you oh, wait, take wait, away wait, the uh, time travel, you still have that. But, know, I, but I think the time them. travel – well, hold on, hold on. I'm not going to show The time travel okay. thing, I think, is is intended to show what this, what this comic is trying to also say is that no matter what you do to try to strive towards this perfect society, you're going to make huge mistakes in the striving. And there's a cycle to it. That's the cycle of him going back in time. And, and us actually witnessing that as opposed to it being something that is just hinted at in the ending, which is why I think those extra pages actually matter and make the ending in a way. Yeah, it's a little bit out there, but it's more impactful and it's more in the tone of where the comic is, in my opinion. Well, again, the reason that I find it jarring is because you essentially, it's a, it's, it's, you can't have... The, the way they did the uh, time travel uh, to kind of explain how Superman even ended in Russia in the first place ended it kind of breaks the story because then which one came first, right? Lex, would Lex have become president and have done all of this stuff if it wasn't for the battle that he had with Superman? And if he wouldn't have done all that, then how could Superman have been created in this future if Lex didn't? Right, him in the first but, place. but that's what I'm saying. Like this makes it so that they absolutely created each other. There's no disconnect at all because they're literally stuck in a loop together. They absolutely create each other, and yeah, it but again, who creates, but it doesn't matter who creates each other first. I think that's more to the point. No, no, no. It's Nobody not. That's not what other. I'm saying. What I'm saying is that would Superman have been created if Lex didn't fight Superman? You see what you, I'm saying? Yes. Uh, yes, that's my point. Yes. No matter what, still, it still happens. You get, I don't know, man. I don't think so. You know? Okay. Where it's like you're just looping back and forth. telling You're basically telling the same story over and over again. And that, my, that, my issue with the time travel is the whole, like, chicken and egg. Which one came first? Because I don't see... I don't see... Superman being created as a descendant of Lex Luthor if Luthor didn't have the problem of Superman in his life to then become president and create all this stuff. Like, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's like, the Terminator paradox, but I, like, I'm kind yeah, of over it. It's the paradox. It's the time traveler's paradox. Mm -hmm. the, the grandfather paradox is, is the, the question. That, that's what the actual technical term is. That's always in a movies, though. Like, no matter what movie you pick, whether it's an Endgame or, or Terminator, like, I think it's, it's, it's hard to pick at a time travel element because they just do it however they want in different mediums. Yeah. But I mean, it just, it's not that big of a point, really. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it's a huge point. <laughs> I think it just, it just becomes a, a very jarring way to end a, a comic that yeah. I was really, really into. And then all of a sudden, they drop this, and it's like, where did that come from? You know? Yeah. Really, yeah. Really I did feel like it was unnecessary. At the very end, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. So comic book ratings. Uh, once again, our rating system goes one through five. Um, you should consider reading it if you're a fan, uh, but you wouldn't be hurt. You, you, your comic book knowledge would not be hurt if you missed out on it completely. Six through ten is definitely borrow it, consider buying it and adding it to your collection. 
Um, if you are a fan at all, you should definitely be picking this up, at least reading it through the online apps that are available, or borrowing it from somebody, or adding it, or, or picking it up in 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 physical form for yourself. So again, um, okay, uh, who who wants to go first? I guess I will. I'm gonna oh, get... wait. Hold on. Let's also add. I apologize. Let's also add since we do have a booked book and movie comparison. Which is your personal favorite, and why? The book or the movie? So I'm gonna go with the book for one. My rating is going to be. I'm gonna give this uh an eight point nine, and. The reason why I prefer this over the book is I I don't I really just like the ending. I like the irony of it. And it's kind of for me this is precisely the kind of idiot box that Lex Luthor would find himself in despite how smart he is. Like no what I really like about it is no matter how smart Lex Luthor gets, he will always have to abide by like the laws of the universe in some way, yeah. shape, or form. And for me, it's basically just it's the definition of insanity. What what the ending is like? Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing over and over and over again, and expecting a different result. That's what I really liked about the ending. And then, of course, you know you have the whole Piotr arc. So. Yeah, that's really why I really prefer the comic over the movie. There was just so much in the comic that made it enriching that the movie, while good, for me, didn't do as well. Um, I'm I'm gonna go next, just as a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna be quick. Um, I would write this. You know, you guys know me, so um. Be yeah. a zero. Oh god! Uh, Remember, one through five means banish it or possibly consider, like only if you're the biggest diehard should he, you even consider reading it but for the most part definitely just like don't even think about this book that's one through five uh 3.5 for the movie oh. <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. for the movie it's actually it's gonna be a 2.5 and for the book it's gonna be a 3.5 but the movie you rated it higher, like last yeah, last time. What? Happened, man. what? It wasn't. It wasn't that rating. You rated the movie like a seven. <laughs> but then I realized that it was missing a few things. Okay. All right. Well, look. Let, choose choose the movie or the comic. Which one? It seems like the comic is better for you. But just rate the comic book. Okay. Just, I'm just gonna rate the comic book. Three point five. No, three point three. Okay. okay. 3. 5. It doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, I, I, I liked it only because of the small details, but like the end just completely ruined everything for me. Like I'm talking everything. Okay. That's why I didn't really like it. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go with my rating next. Um, so between the two, uh, I think both can tell that I like the comic a little bit better than the movie. I think I rated the movie around a seven and a half, if I remember a seven or a seven and a half. I think the comic is a solid eight. Um, I think it does everything in a much more interesting way. Um, I think it is very much trying to create a larger context for all of Superman and Lex Luthor and women's actions within the story. Um, even though they're they're huge in the movie as well, I think that 
again, everything is very, very causal. Like one moment leads to the next a little bit more so, and it's more reactionary. Even though, yeah, they're playing chess, and that's something that they note a lot in the comic. Um, there's there's a little bit more of, a, like AJ said, they're being pushed by the, the river of time, no matter what they do, and by the river of reality. Um, but I think, yeah, for me, the comic was a little more interesting. The way that certain characters' backstories were, were was better. Piotr was a more interesting character to introduce into the machinations of the comic and to have him execute Stan was better as opposed to Superman doing it. Wonder Woman mm-hmm. was kind of the same in both. Um, but Batman was more, mostly more interesting in the comic to me. Um, so overall, and I like the ending. Like I think the ending was interesting. I don't think it was perfect, but I think I disagree with most in that I think the ending was effective. So for me, it was, yeah, it was an eight, I would say, and I liked it better than the movie. Um, I, I, oh, uh, yeah, I just want to fix my thing because it seems I misunderstood a little bit. I rated it out of five. So, um, actually, I want to change that. I love, I love Eli. I love no, no, how I you understand what he, what he, what he, what he <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's like out of Dragon Balls. Sometimes it's out of pizza slices, how we used to do it. Sometimes it's out of five. Sometimes it's out of ten. Um, right, I'm, so... I'm going to go with... Okay. Um, for the movie, for the movie, uh, a 3.5. No, a 5. And for the comic book... A seven point five. Now we can move on. Dad, me Walt. Okay. <laughs> okay, Walt. Yes, sir. Um, when I when I, when I read this, I, there's for me three seminal Superman stories. Um, it's this one. It's um, All Star Superman, and it's the man that has everything. I, I believe that's the 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 title. And I'm always those are those are my three favorite. Superman story runs and stuff. Um, I've always considered Red Sun to be an essential reading um, in Superman just because of the nature of, of you know, how different this was, it, this, this story is. So, you know, being in it, that it's an essential reading for me, I have to, I have to rate it at least a nine, you know. Um, I, wow. And the only reason I, I don't rate it a little bit higher is because I'm I'm not a fan of that ending. Um, that ending for me just kind of it, it it throws the whole story off for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. Where I vacillate a little bit is in comparing it to the film because there are some things that the comic does really really well. Uh, the Piotr storyline being one of them. I think that's something that, you know, when they adapted it to the animated film, they kind of missed the the boat on that one. But then again, I look at the Lana storyline um, within the animated film, and for that movie, it makes a ton of sense, and it really gives mm-hmm. you a motivation as to why Superman turns on Stalin in that movie. So I'm I'm kind of torn between the two right now just because I'm a, I love the comic book I would lean more toward the Red Sun comic book than the film but I I like them 
on any day, you know, I, I can go back and forth and tell you this was really good on the animated film. This was really good on the comic. So, you know, but I, I think that if you're a Superman fan, this is essential reading. All right. Um, personally, it, this is a little bit hard for me, right? Because I, uh, again, I'm not like a super DC guy. Definitely not at all a general fan of Superman. Um, it's funny because when I was a kid, I was all about Superman. Uh, but yeah, um, as far as the movie and the comic goes, I feel like they're two almost two completely different stories. Even though like a lot of the stuff is the ninety percent of the stuff is the same, the changes that they made to Superman's character and to you know not having Piotr and even um, uh, a few small changes with Batman and Wonder Woman. I felt like that had such a drastic difference in the characters themselves, as, as well as the fact that like we didn't have the ending that we um that we have in the comic book. It's almost like they're two different stories, and and there's plenty in the movie that I like better than the comic, and then plenty in the comic that I like better than the movie. So it's hard for me to pick one or the other. I guess ultimately it's a matter of which story was told a little bit more cohesively, and while I like more of the comic book stories uh, the comic book elements better as far as uh like you know the narration from superman's point of view and and so on and so forth i i found that the movie did a lot of things in my opinion better um i like lex luther and hmm See, this is hard. I don't want to say that I like Les Luthor better in the movie than the comic because there's parts in the comic that he was really cool, but then uh, I don't know. I can't even like, I can't even like formulate my thoughts right right now because it's so opposite. Uh, but I guess, I guess like a small edge goes to the comic for me over the movie. Um, uh, the comic, I would give it a six point five out of seven. Only because um, the I felt like there was stuff missing in the comic book that they put in the movie that if I'd never saw the movie it would have been hard for me to kind of get to like the the changes or rather kind of like some some of the backstory be, be, behind Superman's actual origins not being in the comic at all uh ex except for the very end on how he landed in russia mm -hmm. um uh i felt like lex luther wasn't as fleshed out as he was in the movie in my opinion because they didn't really show too much of his relationship with lois as much as they did they did in the movie um I and I felt with, with that i think they showed more of it because they talk about how they never see each other they talk about like what Lois does with her time, she talks about it with other characters in, in the comic, and she doesn't do that in the movie. That I that I disagree with. I think it's much more fleshed out yeah. in the comic. No, see the thing is like the the thing I see in the comic from Lex Luthor's point of view is mm -hmm. just is just one hundred percent his devotion to defeating Superman, pretty much. Um, whereas in the comic, we see him like. We, he does have a. They show him struggling between Superman and Lois a little bit more. We see Lois's point of view in the comic more, but we don't see Lex and Lois interacting as much in the comic, whereas in the movie they did. But that's actually kind of the point. Like, sure, the, the they are married, but it's like 
that's just who Lex is. His focus is never on what he views as the periphery. Marriage, while we would consider that as being one of those things that's front and center, to someone like him, that's really just the periphery. I understand, but see, that's what I'm saying. Like in the comic, it's just one singular thing that's going on with Lex. It's not as diverse as he was shown in the movie. That's what I'm trying to say. Like they didn't show. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they. It's almost like he had his relationship and he had um, everything else that he wanted to do. But in the comic book, all that stuff was cast aside very quickly, very mm-hmm. haphazardly, mm-hmm. just for his goal of defeating Superman. And we only saw the one aspect. And. You know, like I said, like again, these are just my opinions. Where I felt like some of the things that they did with the character in the movie, I felt like were a little bit better than in the book, even though the book may have told a better overall story. But again, the ultimate thing for me with the book is I, I, I just I can't agree with the ending, where the you don't answer the question of which came first, the chicken or the egg, which came first, Superman or Lex. You know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. You don't. It, it, it that doesn't get answered, and if it's not answered, it kind of breaks the story for me. So, all right, um, all right. So that's everyone's opinions on this. I think we, for the most part, everyone enjoyed the comic a little bit more than the film um, to varying degrees. Although Wolfie, you definitely made the point that there were some things that were done better in the comic, some that were done better in the movie. Um, I think the balance between our different reviews definitely lies in, in who thought more was done better in the comic versus the movie. Um, but again, there's a lot of differences. We encourage everyone who hasn't seen either the movie or read the comic to go back and take a look at both of them. And well, we're at the end of the podcast. But uh, if you haven't seen the movie, maybe you can go and take a listen to, the, to that and then come back and, and visit this a little bit more. But, um, you know, it, either way, I think it was... Um, a good piece of media for the most part. And we had a great conversation about it. So once again, as always, you know, I just want to say to everyone that's listening to us, we want to thank you for joining us, not only for this podcast, for all our other podcasts, for our um, Superman Red Sun film review. And again, you know, we've been really appreciating some of your feedback. Uh, We want to thank the artists of the comic Paxman. For sending us that and again if anybody the artists has, and the writers the artists and the writer excuse me the, the the creators of the comic i should say uh for sending us that and for letting us take a look at it and review it on our show um and again we encourage all of you to send us some more of your comic books short films anything that you want to send us really for us to take a look at it if you want us to review it um we can give each other some some more exposure in that way which is always something that we love we love working with um all of you other geeks out there to build the geek community um that said again thanks very much thank you for joining us for our red sun uh superman comic book episode and as always all of you out there in internet land thank you very much stay geeky my friends stop to pewdiepie don't <laughs> stop to pewdiepie